0: Welcome, everyone, to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan on ESPN, ESPN ESPN.com Giants reporter. And we're here with the playoff podcast, right? Because for the first time since 2016, the New York Giants have reached the playoffs. They are going to be in the postseason. They're 9-6-1 right now. Really just a dream season in Brian Dayball and Joe Shane's first year. 38-10. Demolition the other day. Demolition, really. I mean, the game was not even close. The Colts are so done and toast, but the Giants played their best game. And Brian Dables, quite frankly, told the team afterwards, said, that was your best, most complete game of the season. And I don't even think personally that it's arguable. Like, I can't even come up with anything to say that that's not the case. Like, that was easily their best performance. Granted, the team on the other side, they stink. The Colts are done. Right. And we know they have no quarterback. They're a mess. They're missing some of the best players. Big deal. It was a great performance and really a great day at the stadium for anybody who was there. Beautiful weather. In what? January 1st. So January, almost at December. Remember, we're in 2023 here. So Happy New Year to everyone, by the way. Did not get that in. It's January. It's 60 degrees. It's a big party, a celebration. The game's not even close. Daniel Jones is running for touchdowns. He's throwing for touchdowns. He's running for another touchdown. He's throwing for another touchdown. Four total touchdowns, two passing, two rushing. The defense gets Xavier McKinney back, plays better. Uh, There was the little Kayvon Thibodeau hiccup, but that was after he had a huge sack of Nick Foles, which knocked him out of the game. We'll talk a little bit about that afterwards. But we want to start here, right? So they're in the playoffs now. Now, I don't think there's any doubt that the Giants want to see Minnesota again, right? The options are, the Giants are locked in as a sixth seed. So the options are Minnesota or San Francisco, likely. There are other other scenarios, I shouldn't say that. Dallas could still win the NFC East, whatever. And we'll talk also a little bit about the Giants, of what they should do about uh, resting or playing guys in the season finale against Philadelphia. I don't even think it should be an issue. And I think it's leading that way. But I'll get to that in a few minutes. So the Vikings are the Niners. We already saw the Giants take the Vikings to the last second and almost win in Minnesota. And let's remember, they played a pretty crappy fourth quarter of that game. Really, a blocked punt, an interception, uh, drops. Just key mistakes left and right in that game in the fourth quarter. And lost on a 61-yard field goal as time expired. So, things break a little differently. Can the Giants win in Minnesota? I don't think there's any doubt about that. San Francisco, much different story. I know San Francisco's coming off a week where Carolina uh, actually did some good things against their defense. But that San Francisco defense is a beast, okay? Nick is going to be Defensive Player of the Year. They got studs at every level. I mean, all pro-type players at every level. Their defensive front, their pass rush is ferocious. Giants just wouldn't be able to handle that, in my opinion. Especially on the road, they don't want any part of that. I would put the over under of the Giants' offense at nine and a half points in that game. I can't see them scoring twenty points. Their offense. The only way that they, in my opinion, could score twenty points in that game against if they played San Francisco, would be if their defense or special teams came up with big plays that created that basically led directly almost to points. Because what, you want to go with a matchup? Nick Bose is the best player in the league this year, defensive player. And you want him against Evan Neal, who's struggled greatly in pass protection? I mean, Nick Bose is at the quarterback in almost every play that I see him rush. We don't want to see him against Evan Neal. We do not. Nobody does. Because it would be ugly. So there's no doubt the Giants and every Giant fan wants to see the Vikings. That means this week you're rooting for the Niners to win. Which, quite frankly, I have a hard time imagining The San Francisco 49ers losing, right? They're playing the Arizona Cardinals. I believe the Niners are at home too. So the Niners at home are going to lose to a Cardinals team that started David Blau or Blow at quarterback last week, however you say it. That's a mess. And they're going to lose at home with potentially the number one seed at stake, right? If they win and Philadelphia loses, there's a scenario where they get the one seed, right? That's their – and that includes a bye. So, of course, they want the one seed. So I don't see that happening. So the Niners win. They stay as the two seed. They'll get the seven seed in the playoffs. Let's just say that's Green Bay. Let's say Green Bay wins. Green Bay's playing Detroit. So the Niners get Green Bay. Vikings as the three seed get the sixth seed. That would be the Giants. And then the 4-5 would play. That's Tampa Bay. They're the NFC South champs. And number six is likely Dallas unless Philadelphia loses to the Giants and other things happen. So there you are. First round of the playoffs. Who doesn't want to see the Vikings? That's pretty clear. Again, that should be no debate. Now, what's still debatable to some people, but I think most people have come around now, and remember, I was the conductor, choo-choo, of the Daniel Jones bandwagon pretty much all year, pretty much from the start, and I admitted. Coming into the year, you were hanging on with, the, with my pinky, I, I think is what I kept saying. My pinky was just barely hanging on to the bandwagon. Because it was hard. He got injured a bunch. That was really the biggest problem. Daniel Jones kept getting injured. He hadn't gone through a complete season healthy. Hadn't played at the level he has this year. But this year, I don't know how you look at it right now and say that Daniel Jones is not the quarterback you want for the Giants next year. Now, hear me out. I know people keep talking. Well, how much is he worth? This and that. So, the way I see it, and I know Ian Rappaport from NFL Network reported the other day that the Giants you basically are going to talk contract with both guys. And I have heard pretty much the same thing along the way. And I don't think there's any doubt. Now, here's the caveat. Joe Shane has a value on every player. And he's talked about this. The Giants and their the way that he operates is they put a value on every player, and they're not going to sh- stray from that value of what they believe he's worth, basically how he's played, what his uh, his prospects are for the future, and all that, right? And so he's put a value on the every player and that includes Daniel Jones and Saquon Barkley. Now, when we're talking about Daniel Jones here, you know, people say, "Well, I don't want to lock him up long term." Well, I think one of the scenarios here and one of the primary scenarios could be if they could come up to a deal with Saquon, which is why I think they negotiated with him first. They first of all they wanted to see Daniel Jones stay healthy the whole year. They negotiated with Saquon at the trade de- uh, at the uh, deadline is that that, I'm sorry, at the bye week. And they said they're not going to do anything after the bye. So if they could come to a reasonable deal with Saquon, then that puts the franchise tag in play for Daniel Jones. And you might say, $30 million, $30 million, that's crazy. Well, think about what the quarterback number is and it's going to be. It's its at, you know, $40, $50 million. So now you're talking $30 million for Daniel Jones, who, by the way, has played, and I go by QBR, I think it's the best stat for quarterbacks, takes into account a lot of things about how they play, is that, He's played at a, basically a top 10 level. I think he's number nine in QBR right now. So right around the top 10 level. So $30 million is not a top 10 level. That gives you another year of Daniel Jones, right? And you could get, add him weapons and finally get rid of this. We don't know exactly what he can be. Well, we've seen him in a competent system that puts him in better position, right? He's throwing better on the run. He's using his legs more. Everything looks better. The turnovers, he has eight turnovers in 16 games. So when Daniel Jones was a rookie, he averaged essentially two turnovers a game. Now he averages half a turnover a game. How's that for growth? How's that for putting him in better positions? So the thirty million dollars as a franchise tag is not a bad option. Also not a bad option at one year ten million or twelve million for Saquon. Again, because do you really want to you know the long term investment in those guys is a little bit more dangerous. Now everyone says, no, you can't give him a four or five year deal. The reality is almost every deal in the NFL is two years and you can get out of it. So there's ways to formulate deals with both of them. And I think we're headed in that direction. And really what we've seen late in the season has sort of solidified that. Cause let's think about it. What did Daniel Jones need to do this season? Let's check the boxes for Daniel Jones. Okay. He came into the season. Number one, Needed to stay healthy for the entire regular season. Had never done it in his career. Check. Cut down on the turnovers. Eight in 16 games. The fewest of any quarterback in the NFL that has started a majority of his team's games. Check. Throw better on the run. Check. Play big in big clutch spots. Check. What else do you need, him, need to see him do? We knew he was a good guy. You know he's a good leader. All right, how about this? Ability to lift others around him. Check. Isaiah Hodgins, Daniel Bellinger, and Darius Slayton, and Richie James are his receivers. Those guys have looked good the last few weeks. How can you not say that Daniel Jones has helped elevate the play of those guys over the last six or eight weeks? So even if you're one of these people who were anti-Daniel Jones at the beginning of the season, I think most of you have come around. And I know there's some people that are going to be uh they're still going to be arrogant about it they're not they're they're just going to be stubborn for the sake of stubbornness and say i i no, i don't want this guy as my quarterback he turns the ball over too much or he does this or he does that but he's led them to the playoffs and played really well this year so for that reason i think we're getting to the point where it's almost going to be a lock that he's coming back now the giants defense they got xavier mckinney back this week that was a little bit of surprise you didn't think that was going to happen but last minute. And I'll tell a little story later of kind of how, how that came about. So, you know, he ends up coming back. Obviously a big boost for their defense. He was, he's a captain. He was, venture, he was their signal caller. Now Julian Love still called the signals. But to have him back is big. To get Adoree Jackson back, too, and I don't know if Adoree Jackson will play in the finale. Maybe he just plays a little bit to get a few snaps and get his legs under him. But the reality is I expect Adoree Jackson to be back for the playoffs, too. He's not a lockdown, true number one cornerback, but he's certainly better than anything the Giants have. So to add him to the mix is a big boost. You're now adding him and Xavier McKinney to the mix. Their secondary is significantly better. Not great. Still not a great secondary. But they're way better than they were four or five weeks ago when they were getting shredded by any competent quarterback. And that's, if you think about it, that coincides was when they struggled the most. Played the hardest teams on their schedule. With the best quarterbacks, with a team that was a secondary in particular that was devastated by injury, so it was a bad combination. So to say, okay, you know what? Maybe the Giants can do something in the playoffs. Now I'm not saying you should dream about anything big in a Super Bowl run. They're still not there, talent-wise, not even close. But Kayvon Thibodeau's playing better. Aziz Ojalari's coming back. He actually was back this week. Had a little ankle injury. Didn't play a ton. But, you know, give him off against the Eagles, right? Don't play him against the Eagles. Give him some time to rest. Maybe even give Adoree Jackson some time to rest. And really, it puts into the question, I mean, I don't know why anybody would want the Giants to play their guys against the Eagles this week in Week, week 18. The Giants are locked into the sixth seed, right? Philadelphia's playing for something. You don't just do it because a few years ago, the Eagles pulled Jalen Hurts and put in Nate Sudfeld, and it kept your 6-10 and 10 team from making the playoffs. Come on. Maybe Joe Judge was here. He would still be pissed and he'd want to do that. Maybe ownership wants to do that. But the Giants have to worry about what's best for them. And Brian Debo has said this. They're going to worry about what's best for their team. And for their team, is their goal now is to get ready for that playoff game. Because that's their big, the big game that's up next for them. And in order to do that, A, you rest Saquon Barkley. He's played more snaps than any other running back in the NFL. 80.2% of the snaps. You do not need to put him at risk. Especially when he's in a contract here. If I'm Saquon, I would hate that. He won't, he won't ever say that, but deep down, I bet you he probably has thought of it. Uh, so, you're not, you don't need to play Saquon. Dexter Lawrence is getting rest every Wednesday, so it would obviously benefit him to rest. He's played an inordinate number of snaps. You shouldn't play Azizo Jallari because he's dealing with an ankle injury. Give him another week to get healthy. Xavier McKinney and Adoree Jackson could probably benefit from sitting out. So at this point, what do we do? The Giants should treat this as a preseason game. There's no doubt in my mind. No doubt in my mind. And it seems like that's the way it's going to head. Brian Dabo, he could have easily come out and said, when he was asked, and say, no, we're playing our starters. He didn't. So when, you, when you, we don't come out and flat out say that, it then leads to the idea that, okay, he's at least going to arrest some guys. Maybe they play a drive. Maybe they play a quarter. Maybe, they, But there's no empirical evidence. It really isn't hard evidence. That says playing guys and keeping them sharp helps you in the long term, and it's better to do it that way. I know the Giants did it in 07. Completely different situation. Dable talked about this. Would the Giants have done it in 07 if the Patriots weren't undefeated? Maybe. Maybe not. But that was a different situation. And there's been plenty of teams. Andy Reid always rests his guys. They've been to two, two Super Bowls and won one recently. The Bengals rested guys in Week 18 as recently as last year. Like, a lot of teams rest guys, and it works. And a lot of teams play guys, and it works. So there's both sides of it. But I haven't seen anything. That's hardcore evidence that says, and if there is, show me. I'd love to see it. Now, we'll talk about Kayvon Thibodeau real quick here. Uh, It's been a story after the game and throughout this week a little bit. Little lack of awareness, in my opinion. Doing snow angels when Nick Foles is down. Fine. He says he didn't see Nick Foles down at that point. I get it. I could understand that and move on from it. But then he did the put him the sleep thing on the sideline, the Steph Curry celebration, while the cart was basically on the field and Nick Foles was still down. Now Nick Foles eventually didn't end up taking the cart off. He ended up walking off and then needing the cart to get to the locker room. Tomato, tomato. The bottom line is it's, it's just, it just didn't look good. It was a bad visual, right? And Kayvon Thibodeau's young, and he's excitable, and I get it, and that's fine. I almost don't even blame him in the moment for doing it. Right. Especially if you didn't see it. But the putting the sleep thing, it's just a bad look. And you have to realize that. And it pissed off the other team. Jeff Saturday said something. Some of the players said something. Jeff Saturday basically called it trash. He called that. He called the whole celebration, everything trash. And that's the kind of thing like you can't you you need that awareness because you don't want you don't want that to be your reputation around the league. You really just want to have more class than that, to be quite honest with you. It's just, it's just not a good visual to be doing the put it to sleep celebration while the guy is down on the field, and he was in serious pain. Because, you, and you know how you know he was in serious pain, because his own teammates were calling for the medical people pretty quickly. All right, now it's obviously not DeMar Hamlin; that's a much different situation. We'll talk about that in a little bit. But uh, it's just, Kayvon Thibodeau, it, it would have been better if he didn't do it. And he, and once he did do it, just say, hey, I didn't realize the guy was down. It was a bad move. But he's been pretty defiant about it. He did say, you know, he, he hopes Nick Foles is, uh, didn't get hurt. I mean, it gets better and it's not seriously hurt. And that he didn't intentionally want to do it. But still, it's a bad look. Just say you're sorry and move on. You know, don't start blaming narratives about how the media is making a big deal out of it. No, no. The, the other team was pissed off about it. Okay? That's why you don't want to do it. You don't want to build that reputation. And really, quite frankly, it could rub a lot of people the wrong way I mean it's probably there's giant fans that it, it rub the wrong way too. some of them will defend him to the to the hilt, but there's definitely some giant fans that didn't love it that didn't like it so look, I'm not saying he should be suspended. I'm not saying he should be fined. I'm not saying he should be cut reprimanded whatever but next time same situation, he's probably better off at least avoiding uh. Doing the uh, put him to sleep thing on the sideline. I'll give him that he had no idea that Foles was injured when he was doing it on the field. Because it happened quickly. And I know he, he looks like he peeks over a little bit. But th- there's a lot of noise in the stadium. Things are moving fast. I get it. But when he's on the sideline at that point, the game is paused because the cart had went onto the field. You realize the guy is injured at that point. So, All right, let's move on here. On to the next one. At Giants practice, they had a visitor from the one and only Michael Strahan. You might know him. He's kind of big, big thing these days. Good morning, America. Former Giant once upon a time. You might remember that. Stomp him out. 2007 season. Take down the undefeated Patriots. He was there. Called the quits after that. Has a pretty nice career afterwards. So Michael Strahan comes to the building on Thursday for the Giants. See him chopping it up with Brian Dable before practice. Eventually breaks down the team. Now what I'm going to do is I'm going to go to an interview here I did with Daniel Jones afterwards in the locker room about Michael Strahan talking to the team and what it means to them. Also, Strahan, you saw him talking to Kayvon Thibodeau. You saw him chatting it up with um, general manager Joe Shane. A bunch of other people in the organization. Nice little touch. I mean, and I will say this. Not the first time I've seen Michael Strahan at the Giants. I think I believe I saw him in training camp. Guys actually told me he was there during the season, which I found interesting, in the outside linebackers room. And at one point he even did, went over some film and just you know talked about some things with the outside linebackers. Now, he does have a relationship with Kayvon Thibodeau, sort of like a mentorship. Even before Thibodeau came to the Giants, he had already been hooked up with Michael Strahan. So those two have that mentor-mentee-type relationship. So it probably brings Michael Strahan even a little bit closer to the team that he wants to play for. But let's be honest, Michael Strahan, while he works for Fox, works for uh, ABC, does Good Morning America, he still is a former New York Giant and a New York Giant legend. So I would say he always kind of stays close to the organization. He lives in the area. Uh, Landon Collins actually told me, that he remembers Michael Strahan giving a speech to the team in 2016 as well, but so he does it today. Now I asked Daniel Jones what it was, what it was about, like what was Strahan's message. So let's hear from Daniel Jones and, and see what he has to say.
2: Uh, I think it's cool. It's it's uh, you know you see you see him on TV all the time now. Um, <laughs> And, uh, but he's he's been around here, he's around yeah. here in the spring, around here in the summer, um, you know, we know the support he has, he has for us, but I thought, you know, today, one of the cool things he said, is, you know, talking about our legacy versus, um, you know, his team's legacy, it's, you know, it's our time now to, um, to, uh, you know, establish that, to, uh, to do our own thing and, and Create our own legacy. So, um, yeah, it's always cool when he comes around. What do you make of that message? Um, yeah, I mean, I think uh, I think it was a. Uh Important thing for us all to hear. I think we have an opportunity to do that. Obviously, there's you know one game at a time, and our sights are on Philadelphia uh, right now. But um, you know, this is our team. It's different than any team in years past. We can certainly look for the example that they've set. But um, you know, it's up to us to establish our own team, establish our own identity, and and uh, continue to work towards the goals we have. How much more weight does it hold coming from him? You know, knowing what he's accomplished, knowing
0: that that's that's Michael like Strahan, right? You know, he's on that one of those banners. And he's accomplished everything he
2: has. Um, I think it carries a lot of weight. Yeah, he's uh, he was a great player in this league for a long time. Uh, One championship, you know, uh, meant a lot to this team and a lot to this city. So anytime he gives us a message, it means a lot. Has he done this before? or is it? I know you say he's around, and I know he's around,
0: but has he actually addressed the team, or is that a, a kind of a first for you guys?
2: Um, I think he's addressed the team a couple times. Uh, obviously not in the same situation, but, uh, yeah, I mean, a lot whenever he speaks. Appreciate you. Thank you.
1: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8. S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be.
0: So the general gist that I got from that and what I got from talking to other players in the locker room was Strahan telling these guys, go create your own legacy. Go win something on your own put up a banner because, right, they're practicing on Thursday. They practiced on Thursday in the team's field house. And in the field house, they have a big banner. I mean huge. Like, uh, you know, not this like little pennant type thing, but huge banner for each team, each Giants team that has won a Super Bowl. And obviously Strahan is on that one from the 27th, uh, 2007 season. Okay, so his name is up there. So he's telling the guys, essentially, go out there and get your own banner. Create your own legacy. We're proud of what you're doing right now. You guys have stayed together. You guys have played together. You've been a team. And it's something us, as I'm saying us from Strahan's perspective, as former players, you know, the Strahans, OCs, Tucks, those kind of guys that are still pretty close to the organization, That come around, that have come around throughout the season, that hey, we're proud of you guys and what you've done, and we're watching you closely. And he wanted them to, he wanted this to serve as sort of a reminder of that. So nice little message there from Michael Strahan. Now let me explain for a second. Let's do a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants, work for ESPN, or cover the NFL in general. Now the reason this podcast is a little different this week is because of the whole Demar Hamlin situation. And I think everyone's well aware of what happened at this point. A player almost died on the field. I mean, that's the reality of what happened. They had to resuscitate his heart. They had to give him CPR on the field. And then he's still in, at least as of this taping late Thursday, is in critical condition. Now, the news has improved. They've gotten uh, positive updates over the last couple days on DeMar Hamlin. And it appears he's going to survive and hopefully live a nice successful healthy life still he's in critical condition as of this taping but the news has improved like i didn't want to it didn't feel right on i went on tuesday and i was about to tape and i was like you know what this is kind of weird there's a player on an nfl field who got injured or there was a incident episode whatever whatever it actually was and it's he potentially could die, or his life is at least in danger. Like I felt it was just not right for me to come and do a podcast at that time and talk about the Giants clinching the playoffs, and you know everyone being happy in the Giants facility because it was it's strange. It is an unusual situation. You know we use all these life and death analogies and phrases. You know. The war analogies are always there, and I, I really try to avoid using them. I don't like them in football because this isn't war. And I've had this—I had this conversation recently with a player, and we were saying, you know, th- at the end of the day, this is an entertainment business. This is fun. This is this is this is not life or death kind of stuff. You know, it's a, ultimately a game that they play. And I think more than anything, that's what this is put into perspective. There's way more important things in football, right? Yes, it's a lot of their professions, their livelihood. But at the end of the day, it's just a game. It's just entertainment. And the health, number one, first and foremost, is, of everybody, is way more important than anything. And, look, I've been in situations where guys have gotten seriously injured. You know, ambulances have come on the field. Uh, guys haven't moved. And that's scary, really scary. I've never been in a situation where I've seen this, where a player needed CPR on the field. That's next level. You don't think a player can potentially die in a football game. Those thoughts never really cross your mind. And now for players, they have to make sense of this. And then for most of them, unless somebody decides something else, the alternative, they're going to go out there and play the same game again. They're going to do it this Sunday. So even to go talk to players in the locker room, a lot of these guys have close relationships with the Bills and the Bills players. DeMar Hamlin in particular. Guys like Nick McLeod said on Wednesday this was the, the toughest practice he's ever had to get through. Every time – a whole time while he's out there, he's thinking about his buddy. Jason Pinnock, a former college teammate of Hamlin, really close with him. And then, like, the, even the coaching staff, you know, Brian Dable. You've got offensive line coach Bobby Johnson, quarterbacks coach Shay Tierney. Even a lot of the support staff, they have relationships with all these people in Buffalo, with DeMar Hamlin in specific. You know, John Feliciano is also from Buffalo, Davis Webb, Isaiah Hodgins. So there's a lot of Buffalo connections. And you're going to the locker room this week and you're talking to players and they're talking about having to make sense of a player almost dying on the field. For some of them, their friends still being in critical condition, not knowing if he's going to live. And do you really want to go in there? And straight talk to them about playing football. Because on the priority scale at this point, playing football and talking about football seemed pretty low to me. So that's kind of why, even for me, and I'm not the swiftest with the podcast here of taping him early in the week. Because I have other responsibilities. Even for me, this is kind of late and I kind of went a different route here. So that's the reason why. But first and foremost, I want to say thoughts and prayers to DeMar Hamlin and his family. I hope everything works out. It seems to be trending in the right direction as I sit here um a lot of the Bills players and the, their coach talked today and it seems like it's heading in the right direction and that's good news because we didn't want nobody wants to see the alternative. Nobody. And uh so it it's been a interesting week in the NFL orbit because this is almost unforeseen territory it really is unforeseen territory there's really no other way around it so that's it for this episode of breaking blue ba- breaking big blue as always like subscribe tell your friends uh send me questions emails we're gonna have a giant next week will be pre- preparation for the wild card round that should be fun uh, I'll have a spe- i should have a special guest another giant player hopefully for you uh or another giants extra giants player i got a couple things in the works uh, as always, send me questions if you want. I'll do my best to answer them. Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, TikTok, email. You know how to find me. You're listening to Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronon See you next time.